Welcome to week number one in our brand new series that we're kicking off called From This Day Forward. And uh, I want to just jump right in, ask a couple questions that are really going to help me out. Uh, Could I see a show of hands for those of you here right now? How many of you are married? Could I just see your hands? All right. Okay. Appreciate that. Uh, How how many of you are single? Could I see your hands? Okay. Uh, Just look around the room right now. Okay. So I'm trying to help you out. Just, just by that, so, so right, right there, just put those hands up again, all right? And, and all I ask in return is when you have your first child, if you'll just, the middle child of that, fir- that first child, just Valley, okay? If you could just make the middle name Valley, really, really a- appreciate that. Uh, but, but this message is about from dating through marriage, really. And so if you are single, I think you're going to get a lot out of this whole entire series uh, no doubt about that. In fact, I want to start off with uh, most of the time when you go to a wedding, you hear all kinds of scripture verses that are read, and there's some that are more commonly read than others. I, I want to start the series off by sharing with you the least commonly read verse in the Bible at a wedding. Okay? M- maybe you've heard it before at a wedding. If you did, I hope it wasn't your wedding. But, but here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28. It says, But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. <laughs> there you go, right there. All right? You, you never, this is the one the engaged couple never wants to read this. This is Bible, folks, right here. You know what I love about the Bible? It is brutally practical. It really is. And the Bible makes it clear. Those who marry will face many troubles. There's a lot more trouble in life for those who are married. And Paul the Apostle saying, I want to spare you this. And basically what he's saying in 1 Corinthians 7 is, stay single. He's saying stay single. But it's important for us to realize this uh, going in. And I think that's the most important thing. And I want to spare you all this trouble as well. And that's what this series is really all about. Uh, We're going to be going deep on the subject of relationships, of dating, all the way through marriage. And and we want to spare you the trouble. Because here's the thing. Marriage is God's idea. He's the one who created it. And he knows how it works best. And, And so... We're going to be taking a real deep look over the next few weeks all the way through Thanksgiving weekend on the subject of marriage and dating. And uh, another thing, just to uh, point out just a little wisdom as we get started here. Uh, I don't know, ladies, did you know that, that when it comes to relationships, there's three different rings? Did you know that? Oh, maybe I'll share that with you. First of all, there's the engagement ring. The engagement ring. And then after the engagement ring, the, the second ring uh, is the wedding ring. That's the second ring. And then after the second ring, the wedding ring, is the third ring. And that's the suffering. <laughs> and, and so there's three rings when it comes to marriage. Sorry, guys. Just had, uh, there three rings. Engagement, wedding, and then the suffering. But uh, my, a little bit about uh, myself, my story, and, and my wife's. Uh, for those of you who may not know us too well, uh, August 18th, we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary and uh, just, just had a wonderful time uh, celebrating that in, in Puerto Rico, actually. And, and it just, you know, I'm getting a little bit older, getting a little mushy. Used to be, you know, like a rock, you know. Now I'm like a, I don't know, sand or something like that. But, <laughs> but, but I, I remember our wedding day. I remember we got married in Pensacola, Florida, and I remember standing there in front of our friends from college and family members, and I made this vow, this promise. I, Greg, take you, Susie, 
to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. For better or for worse, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, being faithful to you as long as we both shall live, so help me God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what this series is really based on, that phrase out of most, many, many uh, weddings, this common phrase, from this day forward. And what it literally means is this, it doesn't matter what's happened in the past, but from this day forward, things are gonna be different in our relationship. And and that's what I love about this, this series that we're starting from this day forward. It doesn't matter if you're married, it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. You can put a stake in the ground and say from this day forward, things are gonna be different. Lamentations uh, chapter three kind of is, is the framework for where we're headed and uh, in Lamentations chapter three, beginning of verse 19, it, it puts it this way. I remember my affliction and my wandering. Writer of Lamentations, I remember the past the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. When I think about the past, when I think about the the hurt and the mistakes and, and the difficulty and the hardship, my soul is downcast. Yet, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Watch this now. Goes on and says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions some Bible English translations say his mercies. His compassions never fail. Watch this now. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. From this day forward. And that's a perspective that, that really God wants every one of us to have in our marriages and in our relationships from this day forward. Not to be dwelling in the past, but from this day forward, from today moving onward. And so this series is really based on a great book by uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle that he wrote called From This Day Forward and made all these materials available for free for churches. And, and, and as, as I read that book and looked through the resources, I was like, my goodness, we need to bring this to the church. And we've added our own valley twist to it and, and all that. Uh, but that's where, you know, uh, we really, this all originated, this idea from this day forward. See, his compassions never fail. His mercies are new every morning. And what that means is this, Jesus is always willing to give you a new blank page. Jesus is always willing to give you and me a do-over because his mercies, his compassions are new every single morning. Jesus is always willing to give us a fresh start. And so I don't know what you've already done today. Maybe you feel like you've blown it. But guess what? Tomorrow, God's compassion is new. His mercies are new every single morning. And and when we look at the statistics in our culture, in our society, you've probably heard it before, 50% divorce rate, 50% of marriages don't make it. I mean, think about it. How many of you would get on an airplane and the pilot comes on and goes, we have a 50% chance of making it safely to our destination? (laughs) Nobody would do that. No one would do that. And so... uh, it, it kind of begs the question, doesn't it? Are great marriages even possible? I mean, 50% end in divorce, but, but even less than that are actually happy. Are, are great marriages even possible? 
I believe that great marriages are possible. But in order for our marriages to be everything God wants them to be, we need to follow his instructions. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Over the next few weeks, I want to share with you some real practical ways from the Bible to really help our relationships, help our marriages. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe it just needs to get smooth sailing. Maybe you're hearing you say marriage is, is, is good. My prayer is that it'll go from good to great. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're engaged. Maybe you're, you're thinking about getting married. I, I believe these tools that we're gonna look at over this uh, series are gonna help you right where you are as a single and prepare you for that potential one day of, of being married. And so there's five real practical things that we're gonna look at over the course of this series, which is actually gonna be more than five weeks, but these are the five main principles that we're gonna look at. Uh, here, here's the first one, starting tonight, seeking God. That's what we're gonna talk about. That's kind of square one. Seek God together as a couple, as a married couple. And, and the second one is this, fight fair. Fight fair. We, we need to, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be disagreement. And there needs to be some boundaries for rules for engagement. <laughs> rules of engagement when we are conflicting with one another. Uh, sometimes I've, I've met with a couple or two, like premarital counseling before, and they say, well, well, we don't disagree. We always agree on everything. And I looked at that couple one day, and I said, well, one of you is not necessary because you share a common brain. I mean, who wants that all the time? It's two becoming one, two becoming one. And so we need to learn how to, not only that, that our, when we conflict and we have disagreement, that, that we can work through it, but that we're better because we've worked through it. So that's what we're gonna be looking at next week. And then the third thing is just having fun, having fun. Now, this, I'm just telling you right now, this third principle, this third message, this is the reason why we have graded children's ministry here at Valley Christian Church. We're gonna talk about sex and, and, uh, and I feel free to talk about sex all the time, anytime, if the need be. That's why we have stuff for our kids. And, and if your kids are in here, you're going to be running to the doors, especially this week right here. You're going to be like, get them out of here. If, if, they're, if they're under sixth grade, you, you want to get them to appropriate children's ministry. That being said, husbands, make sure you bring your wives, okay? This is going to be a real important one. We're going we're gonna to be very open and honest about it. This is important. Sex was God's idea. He created it, just like marriage. He knows how it works best. And you know what the statistics say? Christian, Christian marriages, Christians, husband and wives, report more sexual fulfillment in marriage than those that are not Christians. Wow. How about that? Maybe Christians know or should know something that others don't. We're going to talk about it, having fun. Here's the fourth thing, staying pure. Staying pure, forsaking all others. Forsaking all others are part of those marriage vows. How do we do that practically in marriage? Staying pure, forsaking all others. And then number five is never give up. Never give up. How do, how do we finish strong together? And I'm so excited. The weekend of November 22nd, my, my pastor is going to be here, Dr. Ron Cottle, who has just celebrated 61 years of marriage, him and his wife. And he's going to be sharing about how to never give up, how to finish strong together. Also in here, we're going to have a little ringer. Uh, I'm going to allow to preach, uh, ask them to preach, uh, a newlywed who's going to be sharing about real dating in a real world, who, who just recently got married and, and has navigated through real dating in a real world. 
So that's where we're headed uh, over the next few weeks. But tonight we're talking about seeking God. Seeking God is so important. And it's amazing, you know, when we think about life, what is it? We want a happy marriage, and then sometimes uh, if we're married, we think about, oh, one day we want kids, and, and we want those kids, you know, we just see them sitting around for Christmas pictures around the fire, and everybody's happy, and big old smiles, and matching sweaters, and, and, and all that stuff, and that's like the picture that we want, and, and it's a beautiful home, and, and, and cars, and, and, and all these things, but it all starts... The number one priority is none of those things. It's got to be seeking God first. Because if we put our focus on any one of those other things or people or relationships, it'll mess us up. Can't bear the weight of it. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, but seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Read the context of that sometime in Matthew chapter six. Jesus is talking about stuff. He's literally talking about stuff. He's talking about clothing. He's talking about shelter. He's talking about food. He's talking about stuff. And he says, what is supposed to be the perspective? Seek God first. Put his kingdom first. I heard a pastor one time say this, and I believe it's true. Anything that you idolize, in other words, anything that you put as number one above God, anything that you idolize other than God, you will eventually demonize. Anything that you idolize, anyone that you put on a pedestal above God, a higher priority in your life than God, you will eventually demonize. You know why? Because they're gonna let you down. They're gonna disappoint you. No one can bear the weight of being idolized. And so Jesus said, seek God's kingdom first. Put God first. And so what does that mean? For those of us who are married, it means this. God is my one and my spouse is my two. God is my one. God's the first priority and my spouse is number two. You know, we, we hear all kinds of things, don't we? Like uh, from movies and stuff like that. Oh, Jerry Maguire. You complete me. Listen, lady, run, because that's only half a man right there. It, it, you, you complete me? We, we have all these, these wrong expectations that, that Hollywood and the media says, this is what a relationship is supposed to look like. But the Bible makes it clear, put God first. God is my number one. God is to be the one. God is my one and my spouse is number two. And do you know what happens when God is number one and the spouse is number two? For me as a man, I become a better husband because God's number one. Uh, for my wife Susie, because God is number one in her life, she's a better wife to me rather than Greg being number one in her life. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. God is my one, and my spouse is my two. What does it mean for those of us that maybe, maybe you're here and you're single? What does that look like? I will seek the one while preparing for my two. That's the biblical perspective. I will seek the one, I will seek God, while preparing for my two. I remember when... Uh, I want to tell a little bit of our story throughout this series. Uh, uh, one of the first dates that Susie and I went on in college, and, and we fell in love really quick. We fell in love really, really hard. 
And we fell in love really, really terminally till death do us part. And, and I remember we prayed one night. And you know what? I, I prayed and I was really trying to wow her. I would, you know, I hope God was listening, but I was trying to impress the girl. We were sitting on this swing uh, on campus and I was holding her hand and I prayed and I thought, man, I just, she really thinks I'm awesome now. And I said, amen. And then she started praying. You know what she said? She said, Heavenly Father, I just invite Greg into the relationship I've had with you since I was a little girl. Whoa. <laughs> Amen. And I was like, what? I was so impressed. Such a simple prayer. But you know what? She was seeking the one while preparing for her two. She caught me, boy, with that one. She really did. And, and so if, if you're single, work on your relationship with God while waiting for the two, while waiting for the two. Backing up from that, from that time of prayer, actually, uh, very interesting, our, our, our relationship, Susie and I, a uh, little th- background about us, S- Susie dated a lot uh, in high school and all, I dated a lot in high school, and uh, got to college, and, and I was like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm looking for my one, I'm looking for my one, and, uh, and, and I got into a relationship, uh, well, it was actually a girl that I met while I visited the college when I was still in high school, and uh, w- within three days of arriving to town, I had a girlfriend, and uh, yeah, that was how I, I used to roll. I was just a really insecure guy, and uh, if I didn't have a girl on my arm, I just felt like I was incomplete uh, long before Jerry Maguire, and uh, and, and, and uh, she, she busted my heart apart. She just busted it up after a year, and, uh, and Susie was in a relationship as well, and her heart got busted up pretty good, too. And we became friends, and man, I always thought she was just way out of my league, uh, but, but I, I knew she didn't think I was hideous because she's willing to spend a little time with me, and, and so uh, we, we played tennis together, and, uh, and I was helping her with her tennis game because one of the other girls was like her arch rival. And I'd been helping her with her tennis game and she was beating Susie all the time. So she's like, can you give me some lessons? I was like, yeah, I think I can make time for that. So <laughs> anyway, so, so we became friends and, and I remember one night, uh, I guess it was at dinner, she said, hey, can I get another lesson tonight? And we're like, they had tennis court right there on campus. I was like, sure, let's meet up at eight o'clock. And, and before I met her, uh, I was in my dorm room and uh, I put on some, some Christian music, Billy Joel, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I remember listening to this song that was out at the time, and, and it was Billy Joel singing, this is the time to remember, because it will not last forever. These are the days to hold on to, because you won't, although you want to. This is the time, but time is gonna change. And, and as I was listening to that, I just felt like God said, your life's about to change. I was like, playing tennis, what, you know? <laughs> but I just kind of filed that away because after my heart got busted up and her heart got busted up, both of us, independent of each other, like we're done looking. God's gonna have to bring the number two to us. We're gonna work on number one. 
We went out to play tennis that night, and, and I got to the tennis court, and I pulled the lever to pull the lights on, and they didn't come on. And I tried it again, the lights didn't come on. And I was like, now what? And she's like, hey, we've got a test in systematic theology coming up. Why don't we go study at the library? And I was like, can you give me directions? Because I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea where the library was on campus. It wasn't a big school. But she's like, yeah, yeah. And, and so we met at the library, and, and, you know, we're talking and all. And listen, like I said, I dated a lot of girls. And you never ask a girl out unless you know she's going to say yes, unless your friend's already said something to her. And you know, hey, she thinks I'm all right, you know. We're sitting there talking, and I don't even know what came over me. She was just the coolest, like, iceberg princess in the world. I had no, I could pick up no vibe from this woman whatsoever, besides the fact that I don't think she thought I was hideous because she's willing to spend time with me. And so I, 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 at one point, I just said, I need to talk to you for a minute. And she looked at me, and when I get embarrassed, my ears get really, really red. And she was like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, I need to tell you something. Just just total shot in the dark. And she said, what's that? And I said, I, I want you to know that, that I like you, and I'm interested in you, and I really, really care about you a lot. And she just looked at me. And she smiled, and she said, I feel the same way. And she said, I had a dream last night. And in that dream, I saw all parched land like a desert, and a little flower broke through, little rose through the crack in the dried dirt sand. And I knew what that flower represented, and it was a relationship with you. And I picked up a pair of scissors in this dream to cut that flower off. And before I did, a hand stopped me and said, no, this is what I want for you. How cool is God? He's big, isn't he? Seek the one while you're preparing for the two. That's our story. That's our story, almost 29 years ago. And, and so, actually 28 years ago, almost 28 years ago, and so if you're already married, here's, here's the principle, putting God first, seeking God first. If you're already married, the next one, I will seek the one with my two. I will seek, if you're married, I'm going to seek the one with my two, with my spouse. I'm going to seek God together with my spouse. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 puts it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Watch this now. In all, that's pretty comprehensive, in every one of your ways, in every area of life, in all your ways, acknowledge him, acknowledge God, and he will make straight your paths. What does that mean? I will seek the one with my two. Pretty interesting as I was preparing, doing some reading and studying for this research a Harvard study, I, I actually have them put this up here, it's pretty amazing. A Harvard study revealed, listen to this, that only one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce if they did just three simple things on a regular basis. You ready for it? Think about it. The culture outside, the, our society, our nation, 50% divorce rate. 
But a recent Harvard study said only one couple out of 1,246 couples got a divorce if they just did three simple things on a regular basis. You're going to be shocked at what these are. I want to share these with you so that we can help you to really, in your marriage, or if you one day will be married, Three simple things that Harvard, and I love it when, when schools like this do studies, and it just proves the point of what God's saying. Three simple things. Here's the first one. As a couple, married couple, pray together. Pray together. One out of 1,246. Now, I like those odds. I like those odds. I, I might be willing to get on an airplane if he says there's, there's one chance in 1,246. But 50-50, no way. No way. Pray together. If a couple just prays together on a, on a regular basis, then it drops the divorce rate in incredibly. One out of 1,246 couples. And why should we be surprised about this? Look at James chapter 5, verse 16 tells us, therefore confess your sins to who? To each other. Confess your sins to each other. And do what? Pray for each other so that you may be healed. And, and, and as I said, my heart got busted up in college. Susie's heart got busted up in college. And, and we decided we're going to individual, independent of one another, we're going to focus on the one while, while preparing for the two. And you know what? She has been the greatest sense of healing in my life as a result of that over the years. And, and, and I'd like to believe the same is true for me as well. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, now I know when I say pray together, all of you men are like, oh man, I can't believe you went there. All of you ladies are like, oh, he's gonna pray with me all the time. This is gonna be so good. Oh, yes. For hours, they were just gonna pray, pray, pray. Let me tell you the truth, all right? Let me, let me just tell you how this looks for Susie and Greg. Uh, we pray every single day together. But we don't pray for an hour a day together. We don't pray for 30 minutes a day. I, I don't even know how long we pray a day together. But we do. All throughout the day. All throughout the day. Like, like this, we pray at mealtime. Every morning we have a time where we pray for each one of our children. By name. And, and a lot of times that's right before we eat. <laughs> we just take a moment and to pray. And then we pray for each other throughout the day as well. And, and there'll be times when maybe I'm facing a, a deadline where I've got to get a message together or preparing or something like that. And, and you know what? Susie's just come in the office and say, honey, let me pray for you right now. Or she'll be going through a challenge. I'm like, baby, let me pray for you. That, that's what our prayer looks like. It, it's not checking a box once a day. It's, it permeates our relationship. Praying for each other. Praying together. Harvard study revealed couples that pray together, the divorce rate just drops through the floor. One out of 1,246. Here, that's the first thing, if they do that first simple thing. Here's the second thing. Discuss the Bible together. This is Harvard. Discuss the Bible together. Talk about God's word. And you know what? That's also part of our day. In the morning, we, we talk about the Bible, and this is how it looks so you don't get the wrong picture. I come downstairs, get a cup of coffee, 
She only makes me a cup of coffee because she's awesome. And, and uh, even though the book of the Bible says he brews, but she brews in our house. And, and, and so m- makes me a cup of coffee and, and I sit down there and I sit on one side of the room and she sits on the other side of the room. She sits on one couch and I sit on the other one and she's got her laptop open and I've got my laptop, laptop open. Doesn't that sound romantic? And I'm normally reading some scripture and she's reading some scripture and then I'll be like, I'm kind of done and she'll go, huh. And I'll be like, what was that huh for? She's like, look at this I just read in the Bible on my computer. I'm like, wow. You know, that kind of reminds me of, and then we'll start talking about that. That's how this looks, discussing the Bible together. In fact, we were just, all day today, we were at a, 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 a leader's, a pastor's retreat that I just came in to do the message. And, and uh, we took a break, went out to the car, and I just went through this whole outline with her. And we just talked about these scriptures. And we just talked about these verses we're looking at right now and, and how we apply them to our lives. And, and, and you can do that with sermon notes uh, when you hear this. When you're driving home uh, after the service, just talk about the scripture and how you're gonna live that out. It's so very, very important. Harvard said it's the second simple thing that if couples do it, pray together, discuss the Bible. And, and, and here, uh, you change the odds of your marriage failing dramatically. Praying together, discussing the Bible, and here's the third one. Harvard, Harvard now, ready? Here's the third one. Attend church together. Attend church together. A- absolutely shocking. Did, did you know it now? I heard this, and I, uh, I tried to study it and verify it. I couldn't find the number, but I heard this. I'll throw it out. That couples that regularly attend church together, you know what the divorce rate actually is? It's below 26%. Just by doing what you're doing right now. How about that? Just lowering the odds. Attend church together. This is what Harvard discovered. Attend church together, and let me put it this way, faithfully. Make, make church attendance one of these we don't miss priorities in our families. That's why here at Valley Christian Church, we have four different services, two different days, two different locations, because we want to give you opportunity, because schedules come up and all. And and here's the thing, I'd say this, this is not a commercial for Valley Christian Church. If this is not your church, attend some church together. It's not necessarily about this church, but make that commitment. We're gonna be a we don't miss kind of family. Because we realize we're trying to change the odds in our favor for our marriage. Where'd you get an idea like this from, Greg? Well, besides Harvard recognizing it, it's what Jesus did. Look at what the Bible says in Luke chapter four, verse 16. It says, he went to Nazareth where they'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. That was his custom. That was his pattern. That was what he was accustomed to doing. That was his habit. So let me ask you a question. Is going to church your custom? Is going to church your custom? I've heard it put this way before. I believe it's true. Stay-at-home parents don't raise go-to-church kids. Doesn't work that way. Stay-at-home parents don't raise go-to-church kids. Now think about this. You can set an example for your kids that will ensure if they follow that example, they will be less likely to get a divorce when they're grown up. Or, sorry kids, won't show you that example. Do it for your kids. Do it for your kids. 
because stay-at-home parents don't raise go-to-church kids. The reason I'm sharing these things for you is not because I want something from you. I want something for you. I, I don't believe God wants our marriages to be eh, average. I, I don't believe God wants our marriages to just be survival, two strangers living in the same house. God wants our marriages to grow and to be great and, and to, to continue to honor him and that through marriage we become more like him as a couple. And so <clears throat> Psalm 127 verse one puts it real plainly and it says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless God's the one that's building your home, building your family, and unless we allow him to build it the way he says it should be built, we're spinning our wheels. We're spinning our wheels. Listen. This series will be the highest attendance all year long for our church over any span. Why is that? Because people are looking, how am I gonna make this work? I need help. P marriages are hurting, and people are looking for answers. And God said, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders are laboring, in, there's working and toiling, but it's not getting done. You've gotta get God involved with your marriage. You've gotta seek him. Let me just be real straight with you, real honest. Neither one of you are good enough to make your marriage work on your own. Just not. Neither one of you are attractive enough to make your marriage continue and last. Because there's this thing called age. And it changes us. And so attractions, it's not enough to make a marriage last. There has to be something greater than us in order for a marriage to work, to make a marriage work, and what is that? Here it is, here's the bottom line as this, we're kicking off this series, this introductory message, here it is. The number one essential of a healthy relationship is living a God-first life, that he's number one that God is number one. That, that is the most essential thing, of, essential element of a healthy relationship is God first life. Listen, I know I'm a better husband because God's first, because I feel his love flowing through my heart instead of just Greg's. I, I know I, I'm on the receiving end of, of Susie being a, a better wife because it's, God's love flowing through her to me because God is her number one. And so this is it. The number one essential of a healthy relationship is living a God-first life. And, and let me end by saying this. We serve a from this day forward God. Jesus is all about from this day forward. 
And that's why we're doing this series, to, to really, from this day forward, things are gonna be different in our marriages, in our dating relationships, in our engagement, things are gonna be different. And we're gonna do this God's way. And we're, gonna, we're going to be blessed by God because of it. So here, here are my f- four final little points. Start fresh. Start over. Put God number one. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Lord of your life. Not just part of your life. Make Jesus number one. I'm gonna ask, would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word that is so practical. And Lord, that Harvard can do studies and they just reveal what your word has already told us. And that what we just need to put feet to and live out as married couples to pray together to discuss the Bible together, attend church together, and, and then watch as, as we truly become one, husband and wife, together. Father, I pray that you bless every marriage that's represented today uh, by those that are here and the hearing of my voice. Father, may we put a stake in the ground and say from this day forward, we will allow God to build our house because we don't want to keep building in vain. And Father, I just pray also for just a a level of tenacity that that, that we would follow through with what we're learning in this series and come back week after week and that our marriages and our families would be better because we're living out these marriages the way that you've designed them to be. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Amen.